This year that marks Pakistan's current constitution, 50th anniversary. Now some believe at this moment, in order to understand this economic crisis and political crossroads, it's also important to examine the constitution of the country. Some believe the first step to breaking through this chaos or and also this mess should be to face up to the need for fundamental reform to the 1973 constitution. Well, at this moment, moment, we need to ask the question, what is the purpose of the constitution today? And also, why does the constitutional rights still matter, especially to the political figures and also to the average citizens? And if you follow the news closely, the former Prime Minister of Pakistan, Imran Khan, also hit the news lately regarding his recent arrest. Of course, his followers strongly claim that this Supreme Court should bring justice to Imran Khan unless there will be more official charges or official evidence to prove his corruption. But meanwhile, people are hoping that this person can come out clean because they have better hopes, or should I say, better ambitions for Imran Khan to return to the country. Is he going to bring his political career back to the reign? Well, in this episode, we're going to talk about all of that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, again, if you follow our show, you should be familiar with our distinguished speaker, Dr. Shuiba Kahoot. Again, Dr. Kahoot is an international scholar, mainly focused on international relations and economy, and mainly he published numerous articles and journals around the world. It's our great honor to bring him back. Let's talk about this Pakistan, and also let's talk about the future of the country. Well, Dr. Kahoot, and welcome back to The Missing Piece. My pleasure, Mr. Will. Thank you. Well, Dr. Kahoot, again, as we mentioned before, before we talk about Imran Khan, again, I believe this is the fourth and even the fifth time, you know, we have this conversation regarding Imran Khan. But again, as we mentioned before, I want to talk about Pakistan's constitution. Some call it today, the constitution is having what we call a midlife crisis. And some believe it's time that we need to, again, in Pakistan, to reform the constitution and also, we need to bring more physicality or uh, a practical uh, constitutional rights to this reform. So help us to understand what is the purpose of the constitution in Pakistan today and whether you think it's time for us to face another reform to this founding documents. Well, uh, Constitution of Pakistan, 1973, as you all know, and just for, to, add, to reinforce the knowledge of your audience. Pakistan came into being in 1947 and the first uh, constitution which is you know far more uh, impactful and which was formulated by the joint consensus of all the part all the political parties then you know so it just uh, happened or it was made possible in 1973. So it means that Pakistan took almost 26 years in uh, coming up with its uh, first ever jointly you know consensus constitution well it's not the first one the first one was in 1958 the other one was in 1962 but both of uh, them you know they were not very much came up with the consensus because pakistan unfortunately was under the dark clouds of uh, dictatorship mm. you know 
back then. So in 1973, the Parliament of Pakistan. So well, so the Parliament of Pakistan is uh, bicameral, which means that we have the two houses: the upper house, which is, uh, which is called Senate, and the lower house, which is called the National Assembly. Mm. So this constitution was uh, implemented, or it was, you know, just uh, made possible by the joint consensus of then political parties. And this constitution is, uh, and to, today as we speak. Uh, the 2023 now we are in the 50th years we just celebrated the national parliament of pakistan and just uh, celebrated the 50th year of uh, the constitution mm. and this year has been termed as the year of the constitution now this constitution is very important for for uh, the countries like pakistan because pakistan is actually the confederation of uh, you know, four distinct provinces which are punjab Khyber uh, Pakhtunkhwa, Sindh, Balochistan, and also if you include the Gilgit Baltistan and uh, the Kashmir part, so you can say that the, this constitution is something which is uh, making sure that all the five or six entities they stay together. Mm. So this constitution it promises the you know uh, uh, right to education, right to safety, right to security basic human rights, you know, everything. So they, has been, they have been written in this uh, constitution. And uh, ever since 1973, there are now more than 23 amendments uh, in this uh, constitution. So, yeah, it is very, I think, as we speak, this is a very historical moment. And uh, uh, unfortunately, after 1973, uh, at two different times, so one in 1977 and other in 1999, the, the two uh, the democratic governments were rolled up rolled up by the military dictators and at both the instances this constitution was abrogated mm. and uh, this constitution so virtually this constitution remained null and void for 11 years from 1977 to 1988 and then also in 1999 when then military dictator uh, general Pervez Musharraf he overthrew the uh, Democratic government of uh, then the Prime Minister Muhammad Nawaz Sharif. So at that time also this constitution was abrogated. <laughs> so yeah, it, uh, Pakistan has its own love and hate story with its own constitution. But uh, the good thing is, uh, if you if we see the silver lining as we speak, that constitution is is in still uh, in force in Pakistan and it just celebrated its 50th year of its uh, formulation. You know, again, Dr. Kahoot, when we talk about the celebration for the 50th anniversary of the Constitution, of course, not only this Constitution signifies the milestone for the country, politically speaking and also economically uh, uh, speaking as well, but meanwhile, I want to read something to you as well. I want to get your reaction. And so, again, some people believe Pakistan's current situation that related to uh, Parliament's failure to ever constitutionally clarify clarify the role of the military in either the economy or politics to avoid provoking more intervention. So, you know, based on our last conversation, we know that within the country of Pakistan, constitution has this direct relationship, or should we say, this direct impact of the military power. Now, again, Dr. Kahoot, help us understand Within the constitution, how should we understand the role of the military power and also the military presence? And also that could link up to, again, what we're going to discuss going back to this upcoming election. And now we know that military 
power took a significant uh, uh, claim, or should we say, uh, uh, played a significant role in managing and changing the political atmosphere in Pakistan today. So let's go back to the fundamental question. What is the relationship between the constitution and the military? And how much power does the constitution grant to the military, and so to speak? Yeah, specifically in the context of Pakistan. So the founder of this constitution, his name was uh, Zulfikar Ali Bhutto, and he was the prime minister at that time. Uh, and uh, he came uh, into power in 1970s by virtue of the elections, by the public majority vote. But unfortunately, as the uh, second martial law in Pakistan, it came in 1977. And, uh, you know, it was the coup against then uh, democratic setup. And unfortunately, the founder of this constitution uh, was hanged in 1979. So, you know, you can guess from it that the, that the military in Pakistan, they managed to hang the founder of this constitution. So unfortunately, this constitution uh, has been, as I told you earlier in the first part, that it has been abrogated uh, two times after its uh, formulation. So by constitution, there is no uh, provision of uh, giving the rule or right to rule to the military generals. You know, the uh, the constitution of Pakistan in 1973 it clearly states that the Pakistan's uh, system of governance will be the parliamentary democracy. Uh, the parliamentary democracy, you know, uh, in Pakistan, it has two houses, Senate of Pakistan. In Senate of Pakistan, all the four entities have equal representation, mm. whether they are uh, 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 population more or less area, no, equal uh, uh, proportion in Senate of Pakistan. And then we have the National Assembly. In National Assembly, we have the seats in proportion to the population. So, you know, it's a very, uh, the, the system is very ideal and the system is uh, mainly influenced by the democratic system, which has been in place in world's oldest democracy in the United Kingdom. Uh, but, you know, in this constitution, as I told you earlier, there's no provision of military rule. Mm. This constitution provides basic right to uh, uh, to live, uh, basic right to safety, security, health, education to a common citizen. And I think that uh, as long as this constitution is in place in Pakistan, there is no chance or there is no, uh, there is no authority in Pakistan which uh, can validate the military rule or martial law. Although the irony is that whenever any military dictator uh, has uh, came into force or came into power in Pakistan, the first thing they they did, they have to, uh, you know, this this additional rule called PCO, proclaimed uh, order ordinance, and uh, that ordinance says that the military ruler has a power to amend the constitution. Mm. And then the Supreme Judiciary always stamp that, uh, you know, that uh, power and give that power to the chief executive, which happened to be that military ruler at that time, once in 1977 and the next in 1999, which is very unfortunate, actually. And uh, um, but as I said earlier, the constitution has no fault, but the people who are actually matter, they every now and then they just come and they just, uh, you know, wrap up the constitution and uh, just run the government by their own style. Mm. 
Dr. Gahoot, I want to take the question one step further. Again, when we talk about Pakistan, previously, you know, we had numerous conversations regarding the word democracy. Again, recently, I finished reading a book. You know, ironically speaking, it's actually the book was entitled The Problem of Democracy. Of course, that the author within the book and did not just talk about the nation of the United States and mainly pinpointed countries such as Turkey, such as North Korea, such as Syria. Again, some of the countries are facing major democratic challenges at this moment. Now, again, Dr. Kahoot, from your perspective, by celebrating the Constitution as the 50th anniversary, how should we understand the word democracy today, which related to the Constitution? Because we know for many countries, in reality, not every single country actually includes the freedom or even the concept of freedom within their Constitution. So what is the significance of constitution with, I mean, excuse me, uh, the significance of freedom within the constitution for Pakistan. Yeah, Pakistan, since it uh, came into being two years before China in 1947, Pakistan, from the very first day, the founder of Pakistan, Mr. Muhammad Ali Jinnah, uh, whom we attribute as Qaeda Azam in the local language. So Qaeda Azam means the the greatest leader, you know, mm. so the greatest leader of Pakistan, Muhammad Ali Jinnah, he said at multiple times that the, the system of governance in Pakistan will be the democracy. Mm. So from the very first day, the founders of Pakistan, they, they were very clear that, the, that if Pakistan has to be run through any system, it will be the democracy. And, and of course, under, under the democracy, then we have the, uh, the presidential system and we have the parliamentary democracy system where the prime minister mm. has a chief executive power. But unfortunately, you know, we have seen that that, that system has not uh, delivered much in Pakistan to this state. That's a reality because uh, today, as we speak, more than 25 million children are out of school. So it means that the state has failed to provide free education to all of its citizens. Mm. So so again the constitution the constitution promises that every citizen every citizen of Pakistan will have the right to education, right to compulsory education, you know, from the state. The second thing is the health. Today Pakistan, today in Pakistan, the health facilities, if you are more rich, you can access to the best health facilities mm. in the world, which are of course present in Pakistan, but health mm. and the good health facilities in Pakistan, they're again the luxury goods. They're not the normal goods. But uh, the constitution has no fault. Constitution promises the right of a good, uh, good health facilities or the public health care. But unfortunately, the system of democracy has failed or the system of, of governance in Pakistan has failed uh, to provide those health care facilities. And the third thing is the uh, security. You know, the Constitution of Pakistan, it promises the security to every single of its citizen. But as we now speak, uh, you know, the security uh, situation in Pakistan, one of its uh, greatest province by land, Balochistan, the, the security situation is very fragile. You know, just yesterday there were some terrorist attacks and our, our law enforcement agencies are fighting with the terrorists every now and then, you know. So, I mean, the, and then the problem is of inequality. The constitution of Pakistan, it promises the equality uh, among its citizens. But the inequality is something which is also the global trend, but Pakistan is no exception. Pakistan is also suffering with higher uh, volume of inequality. So, yeah, these are the issues and they are, they are the 
the structural issues in the economy of Pakistan or in the political economy of Pakistan, which unfortunately our rulers have not been able to solve yet. Mm. But uh, let's hope as the time passes, because uh, we are just now 75 years old democracy. And uh, most of the people and most of the author, when they compare the democracy, they compare, you know, in my point of view, they compare apple with, with orange because you can't compare the democratic system in the U.S. or U.K. with Pakistan or the global South countries because, you know, we are just a new country of like 75 years old. But those democracies are very older one, you know, 250 years old, 300 years old. Yeah. So I think the, uh, countries like us, they need some time for their democracies to be, be mature more and more. Because uh, there are multiple stakeholders, just like in Pakistan, I mentioned earlier, we are we have different type of uh, ethnicities. We have Sindhis, their language is altogether, their culture is altogether different than the other uh, ethnic entity, uh, which are Punjabis. And again, Punjabis and Sindhis are altogether different than the Pashtuns or the Pathans. And uh, all of them are totally different than the Baluchs, the Balochistan people. Mm. The only one thing which I, which is keeping them united is that is that book of like two hundred odd pages called the Constitution of Pakistan, mm. and uh, to get their voices heard at the center, the the system prescribed by that Constitution is the parliamentary democracy. So the system is in place, the book is in place with its Constitution, but the only thing which is not happening actually is the will will of the rulers, will of the people who matters actually, to take some steps so that the country. Uh, goes forward in in the positive direction. Well, Dr. Kahoot, I agree with you 100%. Two things. Number one, it's not fair for anyone to compare Pakistan with any other countries when we talk about democracy. And number two, I remember, again, Dr. Kahoot, you know this well, uh, to quote by the former U.S. President Abraham Lincoln said, the government shall be by the people, for the people, and of the people. Now, speaking of the people, I want to get to our next conversation regarding the former Prime Minister of Pakistan, which is Imran Khan. Now, lately, again, Imran Khan faces multiple corruption charges and also was arrested by the paramilitary focus uh, focuses uh, uh, on Tuesday, and the court ordered a two-week reprieve from arrest, allowing the former leader to return home and to, uh, uh, again, adjust his lifestyle and also try to uh, come up with uh, better solutions. Now, Dr. Kahoot, again, as we mentioned before, this is not the first time we talk about Imran Khan. Khan currently was held in a safe house under the court protection. People spoke up regarding Khan's arrest and people uh, um, held protests and rallies on the street as soon as Khan was arrested. What is the deal with Imran Khan today? Now, again, jovially speaking, by keep on hitting the spotlight, does that mean Imran Khan is gearing up for this political career or for this returning of the political ambition? How should we understand that? And also the second, what do you understand regarding this recent arrest and also charged with the corruption? Help us. You know, first of all, your audience should, uh, just for their reminder, 
Every single prime minister of Pakistan, when they came out of power, they were being arrested on the charges of corruption. Mm. So Imran Khan is not the first time. Mm. And every single time they were arrested on the charges of corruption, they were you know, they were arrested uh, really or allegedly behind the scene from the military. Mm. So this balance of power between military and uh, uh, people's forces I mean, it's uh, it's totally in the favor of military because they have the power ultimately. So very recently, uh, Imran Khan he is facing uh, different uh, you know uh, sort of charges, including the the corruption uh, charges. Mm. And uh, but you know, he, so his uh, uh, popularity in Pakistan right now is uh, you know out of. Proportions, you know, 65% of the population of Pakistan is uh, below 30 years of age. Mm. And uh, Imran Khan is the most populous, popular leader in that uh, segment of uh, society or, or the population. But the way he was, he was picked up, rather, uh, because he was not formally arrested, he was picked up, or let me use that term, abducted or so, mm. by the paramilitary forces. And so that uh, so-called, uh, what, what his supporters say, the humiliation was something which actually triggered the countrywide protest, or even the, nation, the international protest, wherever the Pakistanis were living, they beat the US or the Canada or the UK or the Europe or the Middle East, wherever the Pakistanis were they registered their protest. And uh, inside Pakistan, it was a total chaos and uh, public buildings were burned. Mm. You know, the statues of the national heroes, the martyrs, their statues were, you know, they were just uh, bulldozed by the people. And it was an utter chaos and around 50 people were dead during the time of like 36 to 48 hours. Because that protest was so strict. And uh, well, the reasons we can talk about the, the reason, as I mentioned earlier, that Imran Khan is the most popular leader. Second, the way he was abducted or mm. arrested uh, by the paramilitary forces. And the third thing is that uh, the demand of uh, Imran Khan is the elections. He mm. wants elections. 2023 is the year of election in Pakistan. Mm. Last elections were held in 20. Uh, 2018. Mm. So every term in Pakistan is of five years. So by that uh, scenario, 2023 20, uh, is the year of election. So Imam Khan's uh, primarily demand is to have the is to hold the elections. So unfortunately, the situation is that is that the ruling party is uh, adamant uh, to to hold the elections later this year. But Imran Khan has went to the Supreme Judiciary and got the verdict in his favor to get the election started on 14th May, mm. I mean, today's date. Mm. But uh, unfortunately, it has not happened. The military had excused uh, or recused itself. It said that it can't provide security for the elections. And uh, the finance uh, ministry has uh, recused itself, uh, himself or itself singly that it doesn't have the resources. So all of this has contributed to the frustration level of Imran Khan to the highest level. And also his supporters, and to adding fuel to the fire was Imran Khan's uh, arrest from the premises of court by not the police, but by the paramilitary forces. Mm -hmm. So all of these factors they have contributed, and uh, due to that, the, you have seen you have, uh, you have witnessed the countrywide uh, protest, and uh, you know it was an utter chaos. And I hope that as we speak, 
the things are now under control because Imran Khan has sent on the bail uh, and the court has uh, restricted uh, the security forces not to arrest him until at least 17th of May. Mm. So, yeah, these are the, the scenarios again. This is the, the, the uncertain situation. The Pakistan rupee has become more weakened against dollar. The stock market of Pakistan has crashed. The situation on ground is not very favorable. And uh, there were reportedly some attacks on the law enforcement agencies, people. And uh, But now, as we speak, the things are now under control. And hopefully, as we speak more, uh, that, that things will be better. Dr. Kahoot, I want to wrap up our conversation by asking you uh, regarding Khan's future and also his political uh, path uh, in this country. Now, again, three topics we need to discuss um, even though you mentioned or repeated them many times, number one is the military cohesion. Number two is the level of violence. Number three is the current economic crisis. Now, again, briefly help us with better understanding some belief that Khan's future prospects and the government and the military's ability to counter it also depend in a greater, greater measure on the military establishment cohesion. So the question is very simple. In order to for Khan continue to uh, build or strengthen his career path, what are the strategies or how do you think he's going to manage the relationship between his party and the military power? That's number one. Number two, we know that the uh, violence will never be the solution to any problems. How do you think that he is going to manage the level of violence today in order to not to use any words or not to use any, um, uh, uh, again, rhetorics to incite much greater chaos for the country? And instead, we need to bring peace, bring uh, uh, a restoration and the order to the society. So again, Dr. Kahoot, those two things from your perspective, how do you think Khan should handle those matters? First of all, uh, he has repeatedly said that uh, he's not against the army as the institution. So he says that uh, all this chaos uh, which has happened recently, so he has blamed only the army chief, the, mm. the top guy in the military. So he has uh, blamed him that he is behind all this chaos and all his public humiliation, as he says, uh, or his arrest from the court premises. So, you know, the only way for him and for his party to uh, be in the good terms uh, with the military, because unfortunately, as I told you earlier, military has more powerful institutions in Pakistan there, mm. and they have always played a decisive role in uh, deciding that who is coming as the chief executive, which is the prime minister mm. uh, or even the president in Pakistan. So number one thing, you know, he should have a good and cordial relationship or the working relationship at least with the military. And the second thing, sorry, I forgot to, uh, I forgot which was the, se the second part. The second part is how do you think he's going to manage this a level of violence within the society today? Because we know that he does have a lot of followers, but meanwhile, if the followers or if the voters continue to use violence or protests and riots to send the message to the society, and again, Dr. Kahoot, you can agree with me that this does not reflect the positive side of Imran Khan. So how do you think he's going to manage or at least to calm down the voters in order to restore the peace and also the uh, uh, the order to the society? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, just one way because uh, Khan can, uh, or rather, he should make sure that violence doesn't uh, erupt again. Mm. You know, and uh, the only way he can do it, you know, by making sure, by by appealing to his voters, you know, by keeping them in 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 a proper order. You know, and that's only possible because uh, just like uh, now we have seen that it was the loss of more than 25 billion Pakistan rupee to the national executor just when the Khan was arrested. You know, public properties were burnt down, you know, people were dead. You know, it was an utterly like chaos like situation. So only thing which Khan can do is to make sure next time that his followers doesn't do that stuff. Look, the political leaders in my part of the world, be it Pakistan or India or even the, the Sri Lanka or the South Asian countries, uh, the arrest of uh, you know public le- uh, leaders, you know, it's a common thing. It's not a new phenomenon. Mm. It, it was it was only first time in the Khan or just I. As I mentioned earlier, the way he was arrested or abducted, I mean, it was uh, it actually sparked anger among the youth and among the urban uh, voters of the Khan. So, but I hope that if in the future these events doesn't happen, and if Khan uh, keep on appealing to his voters, I hope this uh, you know uh, sad incidents won't be happening in the future. Well, Dr. Kahoot, again, as we mentioned before. It's a good thing that, again, this country celebrate the Constitution. You know, again, it's one of the important founding documents which continues serves as the light to the darkness and as the solution to the chaos. But meanwhile, we hope that the, uh, the voters and the followers of Imran Khan and continue to follow the order of the country and also continue to honor this constitutional system in order to uh, uh, see the better future or even the brighter future for the country. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we know, again, Pakistan is one of the important countries, not just to China, but also to the world.